I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Today's guest stole the hearts of millions when she struck gold in Tokyo at last summer's Olympic Games. In an interview that went viral right after defeating her Nigerian opponent to become the Olympic champion, Tamara Menza Stock made heart signs with her hands, touted her love of God and country, cried over her dad, sang a part of Carrie Underwood's champion, and inspired every girl watching to strive for greatness. I think it's safe to say that pretty much everyone watching instantly fell in love with her. We have a lot of fun in this episode talking about everything from hating wrestling to falling in love to the details of that epic interview. And we may have gone down some hilarious rabbit trails along the way. Tamara teaches us some powerful lessons as she vulnerably shares about the devastating loss of her dad, qualifying for the Rio Games but not being able to compete, moving past heartbreak, and finally what it means to see her dreams come true. But before we jump into this fun conversation, I wanted to remind you about my new online shop called Laura Wilkinson Designs. This shop is full of motivational apparel and accessories because my goal is to give you inspiration you can wear on the outside while lifting your confidence on the inside. Whether it's for you or someone that you know could use a little confidence, go check out the shop. From the littlest dreamers to the tough mothers, there is something for everyone. We even have a special pursuit collection that was created to honor all of our dedicated pursuit peeps out there that love this show. Just go to laurawilkinson.com shop to check it out. That's laurawilkinson.com shop. And finally, if you'd like to support this podcast directly, you can buy me a cup of coffee at laurawilkinson.com slash coffee. I'd really appreciate it. I love a good cup of joe. That's laurawilkinson.com slash coffee. All right. I believe that there's gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode. Tamira Menzestock, welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little giddy right now because I know you're energetic and bubbly and I know this is going to be a lot of fun. And I feel like we're family because you're kind of a Houston area person too. So welcome on. Thank you for having me. I love being from H-Town. Love it. There's a pride there, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. There definitely is. Well, look, I know a lot of people know you now, especially as the Olympic gold medalist. You made such a big wave last year, but you weren't a big fan of wrestling in the beginning from what I hear. So didn't you start out in track and field? I did. Oh my gosh. Laura, you did your research. Well, there are two Olympic gold medalists on this podcast right now. So don't just be trying to highlight me. Okay. (laughs) But, um, yes, I was in track and field. I was in track and field, uh, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Oh, wow. What were your events? It was four by one, two, three, and four. Gosh. (laughs) So all the relays and then, um, the, 200 and the 400 when needed and triple jump and long jump. Wow. Everything. <laughs> Just about. Just about. I was a sprinter. I was a sprinter and a jumper. <laughs> so how did you go from sprinting to wrestling? It had something to do with your twin sister, right? Yes. My twin sister, Tarkia, my bestie, my besties for lefties, right? And, um, yeah, my mom had told her that she needed to join a sport because, you know, I was in track and field for all those years and she was at home 
pretty much doing nothing. She was like, you need to join a sport. And she didn't like any sport, any conventional sport. You could think of volleyball, track and field, cheerleading, swimming, not even bowling, which we had at our school. She didn't like any of them. And she found out that there was wrestling and she immediately fell in love when she went to the mat practice. She took my mom over and my mom was like, definitely not quit. <laughs> no, not, not happening. She didn't quit. And she, <laughs> she actually ended up convincing me to go to 6 a.m. practices with her. How, how did she convince you to do that? Okay, Laura, I don't, I don't know why, but for some reason, back in the day, I was an early riser and I loved going to school when it was dark and there was nobody around. There was just some kind of freedom about that. I know, it's so weird. I know, I don't <laughs> I'm, I'm giving her weird looks right now for you listeners out there. I'm like, what is wrong with you? That's very weird to me. Weird, weird I to me. I appreciate it though. <laughs> And on top of that, we like rollerbladed to school when like the streets were clear and it was, I don't know, it was just like a sense of freedom. Teenagers are weird. I I mean, I can. Okay, that's cool. I do not like to get up early. I never have. But I would get up at 430 to go drive across town to get to diving practice. So I I get it. I get it on a level, but not to (laughs) high school. I would not want to go to high school early, I don't think. I know I was. I was a ab- abnormal high schooler, man. I was like all about the grades and yeah, just making sure I was always just doing what I was supposed to do. And just, I guess I was kind of like a goody two shoes, but not a teacher's pet. All right. I like it. That, that's a good, that's a good lane to be in, I think. So, okay. She gets you there at 6 a.m. And did you love it right off the bat? Absolutely not. 100%. I hated it. It was the worst. Imagine a track and field girl who permed her hair. So my hair was always straight and I had like this little ponytail that had like waterfall effect to it. So anytime I walked, it had a little bounce to it. I would wear hoops and like eyeliner and I just always looked cute. And I was a germaphobe. So (laughs) (laughs) yes. It does not sound like your sport. (laughs) It doesn't, right? It does not sound like my sport. I went into the room and was like, what the freak are they doing? And I just kind of sat on these mats that were rolled up and just started doing my homework like the good little nerd I was. (laughs) And the coaches are like, hey, Jakia, is that your twin? Tell her to get on the mat. Tell her to put some clothes on and get on the mat. And she she was like, I don't think she's going to do it. And somehow, some way, they convinced me to put those shoes on. And I still hated it. <laughs> I, I put them on and I did a practice and I still didn't like it. I was like, oh my gosh, you're sweating on me. Oh, that's so disgusting. Get off of me. Why did you just throw me to the ground? Why, why were you mean? Like, to all these <laughs> questions as to why they were practicing the way they were supposed to practice. Right. And so what finally convinces you that this is a good idea? Because it doesn't sound like a very good idea. <laughs> No, um, for the time being, it didn't. And I wanted to quit within days. And my twin and a few other people were like, just wait, wait until like the first dual meet, the home dual meet, and then decide, just see how you fare like on the mat. And I was like, fine. And then I had my track and field teammates going, why are you doing this? What are you doing? You wrestling? What the heck? I think you're cool. Like just weird stuff. And um, so Fast forward, we get to the dual meet, the home dual meet, and my coach bumps me up two weight classes. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know what that means, but okay, I'll wrestle, whatever. And I was wrestling 165, weighing 140. 
No way. Yeah. I, I had some weird strength going on. Being track and field, I was like already like a, like a anomaly as an athlete. So we do the, we do the match and I pin her within like minutes of the match starting and I'm like, it's done. That's it. And the whole, the whole, um, duel wraps up and we get to the back room and my coach Balzer, he, uh, was like, Hey, everybody round of applause with Tamara for her first win. And wow, she did so great. And I'm like, wow, look, look at all this praise. They're so nice for my first win. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> and that was pretty much the start of a beautiful and horrible friendship because wrestling is really hard. <laughs> Fair. I, I like how they sucked you in though. That's, that's awesome. They sucked you in with Yeah, there you go. With, with all the praise and flattery, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so you, okay, you get into it. You're finally hooked and you're, you're doing well. What happened with your dad? And I know this is, uh, I, I just can't even imagine how gut-wrenching this is to keep talking about, but it is such a, a, a crucial part of your story, I think, and something that so many people can probably pull from and need, um, need to know how to walk that out. Oh, I'm glad I could be of service to them. Cause y'all, if y'all are going through the death of any loved one, it's hard. When I was a, a junior, my twin had already gotten hurt and fast forward, she was hurt for 22 months. So my dad didn't really get to see her excel in wrestling, but as a team, we went to a tournament in Texas. I can't remember which one. And he had the time of his life. He played Uno. He was colorblind. He beat my teammates. They were like, how the freak did this happen? You're colorblind. Like, yeah, I'm an adult. <laughs> um, he was like yelling, the loudest one in the room. He got blew, he blew up pictures of me, got me shirts. He like laughed at this girl that was crying. He was like, oh, she should not cry. Um, he got to witness me take out an opponent and the ref. Oh. The ref was in my way and we ended up losing a shoe in the process. <laughs> that was, that was Classic. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it only happens once. Like, you got to get out of the way of a double leg. Come on. <laughs> and he had a really good time. And then end of the night happens. I got a trophy. I win. And he's just going home with just all this stuff. And he's like, when I get to the daycare, I'm going to put your picture right on the wall. And I'm going to say, if you mess with me, I'm going to call my daughter and she's going to beat you up. <laughs> They're like, oh gosh, daddy. He lives kind of far to just call me at a moment's notice, but uh, <laughs> all right. And uh, I wanted him to actually come back with us back to Texas because he was headed back to Louisiana and he said he had work to do and for me to get on the bus. And so I get on the bus and he heads his opposite way. And um, he calls me on the bus and I'm like, daddy, I'm asleep, which I was sleeping at the time. And I was like, I'll, I'll call you later. I'll call you in the morning. All right. He's like, all right, I just want to talk to you. I'm like, okay. And I did not go to sleep. Instead, I called my boyfriend at the time and we had a little argument. And this is like one of my, my regrets. And I don't have many regrets, but this is one where I'm like, I think my dad was probably falling asleep and I could have just stayed on the phone with him. He had like 10 more miles to go and I could have just stayed on the phone. But had I known is always at last. The next morning, it's a Sunday. I go to church and 
my mom and twin sister, they all come to church and they pull me out and uh, well, they give me terrible news. And from there, it's pretty much foggy. Don't exactly remember exactly what happened, but um, me and my dad had this routine where we would call each other uh, about like five times a day minimum. <laughs> and um, well, I went back to that routine and I called him. There was no response. I wanted to quit wrestling because I felt like wrestling had to come away. And uh, the wrestlers didn't want to let me go. They like came to the house, gave me stuffed animals. The head coach's wife, who was a nurse at the school, she called me and my twin out of class and like let us choose from a bucket of blankets and said, pick one so you can hold it. And um, it was a rough time. Wrestlers, I felt like I was blaming them for this tragedy, but without them, I would not have been able to feel, I don't know, I guess wanted when the one person that I like just admired was just taken from me. And man, by the grace of God that they were in my life. Like, I don't, I don't blame wrestling now because it's given me the platform to identify with people who have dealt with this struggle. And y'all, my father wasn't just the only person I lost. Weeks later, I lost my dog that I would always go on runs with to cut weight. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Why did he die? And then my grandfather died. Like all these leading men in my life were just being taken from me. And I was like, why? Like my grandfather died. My favorite uncle died. My best friend who actually rekindled my faith in Christ in college, he ended up dying. And my uh, teammate from college, she committed suicide. And me and my twin had the pleasure of finding her body. Like there's, there's a lot of tragedy, y'all. There is a lot. And I know we just focus on my dad because he was the biggest part, but I, my faith, friends and family have like honestly gotten me through just, man, just so many dark places, y'all. But I'm happy I get to share it with you guys so you can see like, oh, she doesn't just go through life easy peasy. No, you guys, I was bullied. I was almost raped. I have lost many people in my life. I have one of the biggest smiles ever. And I, yes, I pursued this gold and it was freaking fantastic, but you cannot succeed without a little loss. And man, it sucks to, to realize that, but you can still accomplish your biggest dreams. Definitely. And I, I can relate to a lot of that. I lost a lot of people in a very short period of time close to me. Um, had a lot of, a lot of things like that as well. And, um, Yes, went to a very dark place. And in fact, a place where it seemed like every time I did good at a diving competition, I lost someone I loved, you know, my aunt, my grandmother, one of my closest friends, like all those things. And I got to a point where I like, I didn't want to go to the competitions because I was afraid someone else would die. It was such a weird way to twist that in my head. Like I was somehow in control of what was happening but you go to those places because you don't understand it and you, and you don't know how to cope. And it, it brought me really low too. And yeah, but, but very similarly, it was kind of to the point where I was brought to such depths that really only, only Christ could have gotten me out of it. And, um, same, same way. It's like, how, how do you smile all the time? It's like, because there is still hope and, uh, and that's just beautiful. And I just want to thank you for, for sharing that. Cause I know that's hard, but it's something so many of us unfortunately have to walk through. 
Exactly. But we're not alone, right? <laughs> we are not alone. I love that. But uh, back to the the brighter side or the wrestling side, I guess it's not always the brighter side. Yeah. <laughs> but you you end up like dominating in high school. You got what, like second, first, first at state. Then you go on to compete in college. Like what was the transition competing from high school to college like? Oh man, I had to start from the bottom all over again. <laughs> it was just a different style of wrestling. In high school, girls wrestle folk style, but in college, we transitioned to freestyle. And it's kind of like wrestling folk style, but it's a little different. If you don't watch yourself, you can give up points easily by just walking out the circle. And that's not the same in folk style. So that transition, I had to start from the bottom. And man, it was rough, but luckily I had a lot of people just pouring into me and just trying to make sure I was doing good. I guess they saw something and they were like, yeah, just keep on doing it. Like um, <laughs> the, the head coach, um, Coach Cobb, I had told him at the state tournament before me and my twin, before I won my second state title and she won her first, I was like, I got a heart of gold. I want to go to the Olympics. And he's like, you do? Okay, well, let's see if we can make that happen. Everybody says that. And I'm like, no, I can do it. I can do it. So just going to that that college where uh, the coach said that he would be able to help me, man, I, I just had good, pe- great people in my corner. And I was a four-time, no, five-time All-American. No, four-time All-American. Yeah, because I red-shirted and gray-shirted. Four-time All-American. There's a gray shirt? Wait, wait, wait. What's the gray shirt? <laughs> Um, that was the year my, uh, teammate had committed suicide and it was the year before the Olympics. And because it's the year before the Olympics, you can gray shirt. And that's something that people don't really know. It only happens once every four years. Just like the Olympics. Well, and that is fairly new. Cause I'm, I'm like really old. And back in my day, they didn't have that. You could only get like a medical red shirt. So that's, it's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For your kids. Like when they, when they go off to college, like, Hey, you can get a gray shirt, even on top of a red shirt. I had a red shirt year and then a gray shirt the year after. Nice. That reminds me, which movie is that? Is it like Tommy Boy or Black Sheep where he's like, I went to college for seven years. And they're like, don't they call those doctors? <laughs> oh, no, I don't know that one. That, that, um, sound, that sounds like Van Wyler, though. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Dr. Tamira, there we go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So tell me about how Jacob fits in here. Cause you guys knew each other in high school and college. When did like the dating start though? This is her husband now y'all. Yes. So my now husband of almost six years, we knew each other in high school. I had a crush on him, but I never dated him because I didn't think he liked me. And so when I wasn't dating my on and off boyfriend, I would go and like flirt with Jacob (laughs) (laughs) and flirt. It can mean whatever, but you know, in wrestling, since we were like physical already, well, shoot, it was like a slap butt contest. So slap my butt and I try to run over there, slap his like, "Ah!" just like go get him. And then it's interesting you say this, like I, I haven't told like really any podcast about like this nitty gritty secret, but um, I had, found out that Jacob was going to be going to college at Wayland and I had other prospects, but that was the icing on the cake. When I found out that he was going to Wayland, 
I popped my collar. I was like, oh, is he? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) like a creeper. Yes. (laughs) Decision made. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. So on top of, yeah, like on top of the fact that they were going to support me, it definitely was a deciding factor. Like got the guy, my dreams going there. I'm staying in Texas. Great support system. My twin's going to be able to go. Oh my gosh, this is all the right. <laughs> like this is everything. <laughs> and um, so we were in college together on the same team. Still flirted. Still had my on and off boyfriend. Then I dated other guys and never him until junior year. We finally like just flirted so hard. <laughs> Like, Did you just like step your game up or what was it? What finally made the difference? Yes, we stepped our game. I, I, I feel like you have kid viewers. So I'm like trying to keep it. Keep like, it clean. Keep it PG. Yeah, <laughs> keep it clean. But I'll just say like we stepped the game up of flirting a lot more to where like I was giving him sensual massages like all the time and like showing him pictures like, should I post this to the tribe.com? like just just like making myself available and then one time he was like you won't and you know the you won't challenge like you won't do this Uh uh-uh I've not heard this there's like this back back when I was in college I I know you said you're older but I feel like I'm almost 30 (laughs) there's this you won't challenge that was like circulating where you won't pee out of a window or you won't touch that girl's butt. And the, yeah, just, just off the wall, you won't challenges. And gotcha. Jacob had said, you won't do this to me. And I was like, mm, okay, <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> and so I did it and he was like, hey dad, this Tamara girl, she's been around since like high school and now she's in college. And I really think she likes me. And his, his dad was like, you should go for it. And so he came back over the summer and man, it just clicked. We really just clicked. So (laughs) that's a long story. And then never look back from that point, right? Never look back. You got the exclusive, Laura. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) we know all your deepest, darkest secrets now. (laughs) Hey, and that's okay. Cause I want to help other people. And Jacob, I just did a podcast uh, yesterday and they were like, yes, your husband, he's white. Like, yes, he is. And they were like, have you ever gotten any flack for that? I'm like, ah, some people in college had asked me, why am I dating a white man? And I went, you never asked me out. You never showed me any consideration that you wanted to date me. Jacob took the initiative. I didn't start dating him till junior year of college. And I redshirted. So really, that's like the fourth year. You, no one ever did anything. They only had complaints until after the fact. Of course. So, the, of course, right? Like, well, I was going to make my move a day later. Well, so men, men listening, take note. If there is a girl you are interested in, stop dilly dallying and ask her out. <laughs> because there are other there are other men out there that want her. So I took to a guy, and I had dated other men. I took to the most kind one that I trusted and that wasn't going to use me and that wasn't also going to put my dream in jeopardy because he could have got me knocked up. But he was just incredibly smart and just aware of the dream that I wanted to go after. Man, just so considerate. 
Take note, girls. That is the kind of man that you want. All those things she just described, look for a guy like that. All right. This is good. D- dating advice on the Pursuit of Gold podcast. I love it. Never thought we'd go that way, but I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, sorry, rabbit trails. I told you I go on rabbit trails. Tangent. I like your rabbit trails. They're fun. That's all good. All right. But let's get back a little bit to the wrestling, uh, you know, timeline here like you you are amazing you're like this what two-time national champion in college and then like 2016 was a big year for you right there was olympic trials you moved to the otc you got married like walk us through the ups and downs of that year oh my goodness so on top of both me and jacob just leaving texas to go to man, here where we're at now, Colorado Springs, it was hard because I had to make that decision. Like Jacob looked me in the eye and he had said, do you want to go to the Olympics? Do you want to be an Olympic champ? I'm like, yeah, of course, you know that. And he's like, well, then you need to go to the Olympic training center. And this was the Olympic year 2016. And I was like, but I, but I want to stay here at Wayland. He's like, you are not going to get what you need here at Wayland. They can only take you so far. You need to train with the best in the country. And all the number ones were there here in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center. And oh my gosh, Laura, Laura, it was a tough decision. But after um, Rachel had committed suicide, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was like, you know what? Let's go. And he was like, cool. So we headed out to Colorado Springs and now was he wrestling too, or where, what's he doing yes. at this time? Okay. He was wrestling and he had just quit that year. And yeah, like he, he finished up that school year. So I was, I was actually here in Colorado Springs by myself for a few months while he was finishing up the last semester. So yeah, he, he wrestled, did everything retired. And then we were in the Colorado Springs area all alone. And then I went into the training room and I cried like every day because these girls were on another level. I thought college was hard. Oh my gosh, the training center was harder. (laughs) It was oh man, it was it was rough. Um training at the training center was incredibly tough, but it toughened me up and it just made me realize like, wow, I may be strong, I may be swift but I don't have all the technique that I need. And these girls are really good for me. So I just improved drastically. And I, I remember distinctively one, one practice, Adeline Gray actually had came up to me. I was crying by the pillar. She's just like, ah, what would be such a hard practice? And she was like, hey, I noticed you've been just practicing with the number ones. Maybe you should like practice with the number twos and threes, you know, not just get destroyed by every <laughs> single number one out there. And I was like, but I want to get better. She's like, yeah, you, you can, but just work your way up. <laughs> She is now a six-time world champ, so great advice from her. Yes, I that is good advice. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So I took your advice, and I made some really good friends um, just going up the ladder. Um, Jennifer Page, she's fantastic, but just, yeah, training at the training center uh, definitely helped me. And then 2016 rolls into the Olympic trials, and I make the team. But then I find out that I have to go qualify the weight class. 
And I was like, what does this mean? Right. So walk me through that. Cause I've heard that I've heard this before. Like, do you not, you don't know going into 2016 trials that there's no weight class yet? Like, how does that even work? So Laura, I get this. You see, I'm pretty like new at wrestling back back then. And so I didn't really understand like truly the concepts. But the year before every single Olympics, there's a world championships. And that is where you can first qualify your weight classes for your country. And I think it's top three. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I know for sure it's top three. And the, that year, 2015, it didn't get qualified, but I was unaware of that. And I went in 2016, all happy, like, yeah, I just got on the Olympic team. Woo-hoo. And they were like, no, 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 no. In two weeks, you're going to be leaving for Turkey. And you're going to be leaving for, what was it? It was Turkey and Mongolia to qualify the weight. Oh, so you still had a shot to try. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I failed miserably. I failed in Mongolia. I failed in Turkey and I failed in Texas three times. I was so depressed. I just got married. I just wanted to be with my hubby and man, it, it was, it was rough, but it was a good learning experience. Cause I, I remember every single match that I lost. I remember the mistakes that I made. First one, don't have a bunch of weave in your hair because these girls will pull at it and they will hold it hostage and the ref won't say anything. That was mistake number one. There you go. Secondly, right? Secondly. Remember, that's track and field hair. That's track and field hair. Yeah, this is track and field hair. This is off-season, not wrestling hair. Secondly, when you are wrestling for one of the biggest tournaments ever, stay in the moment and leave the mat with no regrets. Because I walked off that mat in Mongolia to a girl that I could have beat from Egypt. And I had Rich Bender yelling out of the stands, just shoot. I was like, what do you mean shoot? She might try to throw me. I kept standing up with her when I could just stay in my stance and shoot. Like it was like nine, nine or something. But that was me being, you know, new to just trying to figure out this senior level. And then secondly, when you are up, six, zero, be patient and wait for your opponent to make a mistake and not allow them to wait for you to make a mistake. Cause I was up six, zero against Ukraine and I got complacent like, Oh yeah, I could pick her apart. Let's go for another one. <laughs> and she pinned me. I was up six, zero. Oh man. I learned a lot in 2016 when it came to wrestling, wrestling life, man, a lot, how to compartmentalize. <laughs> I learned a lot. Yeah. So how do you, you go through that? You learned, but it was rough. Like, how do you kind of, I'm guessing you have to let yourself go through that kind of dip and then you get back into it or what, what was your time? Like, how long do you let yourself kind of grieve a little bit, shall we say, before you kind of let it go and get back out there? I was mopey for a very long time. My husband and I, we had a rough patch 2016 and 2017. Like, it was rough. Like, man, for those of you that are married, <laughs> when you say rough patch, I mean rough patch, like just nonstop, like arguing, impatient for no apparent reason. And it was because I I was just living with that regret, knowing that I could have done better. But um, at the same time, I only had myself to blame. So why am I walking around trying to blame other people? It's me, not anybody else. 
there's so many things that I could have done differently, but I don't, re- I don't regret that because it helps me to just understand who I am and understand the sport of wrestling. And um, my faith definitely played, played a huge, huge part in just going, man, let go, let God, like those worries are in the past. If anything, they're just going to help me become a better person, a better human being. And when I become a coach, if I do, I'll be able to tell all these kids, hey, just want to say I've been there before and this is how I went about it. Not saying that this is how you should, but I like to live vicariously through others. So take my advice. <laughs> yes. It's always nice when you can learn from the mistakes of others and not have to make those mistakes yourself first. <laughs> For oh, sure. yes. Sure. Oh yeah. Jake. Well, <laughs> you owe me a Coke. No, I owe you a Coke, I guess. No. <laughs> Come hang out with me. I'll buy you a Coke. I promise. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. But I'll take a, I'll take a ginger ale. <laughs> that works. I'm not really a Coke drinker either. So, okay. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So you, you go through that kind of rough patch, you get back out there and you start doing really well. What, like a bronze at world, you start winning a yeah. lot of competitions. So what does that lead up to the next kind of quad look like? Because as we all know, 2020 with all its hopes and dreams turned into the weirdest. I feel like 2020 and 2021 are one long, weird year, but like, I guess, yeah. What, what was that part of the journey like for you? 2020 and 2021 were like leap year backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that That's well described, right? <laughs> but, but, um, how that was for me. So, you know, going back to just all that happening, just all that negativity going on in my life. Like I said, 2016, 2017 was a rough patch. 2018, I was like, I'm so mad. I won't ever let anybody make a fool of me again. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh man, I just, I just wanted to come back and I came back with a vengeance. Then I got starstruck, not starstruck, but just kind of like in the moment where the, the, all the lights were on me and my opponent was complaining and I was like, oh snap, where am I at? And it just took me right back to 2016 where I didn't do anything. And that was a bummer. Now it, it's an up and down moment. Like 2018, I was high and then, you know, I took five steps back. Like, and, and you don't figure it out the first time. Like there's no one significant moment where I was like, oh yeah, I was just golden pony the entire time. I was like, nah, this is a roller coaster, a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so yeah, that that just leading up, leading up to me just dominating in 2019 because I was like, oh yeah, we're not, we're not gonna be 2018, 17, and 16 Tamara anymore. We know what we want and we're gonna go get it. 2019, I didn't care who I was wrestling. You complain, I don't, I won't give you time to complain. I just went in and dominated, handled my business. And then I just cried because it was just so, I felt like I was just, just grinding my teeth and had my, my hands and fists for so long so I could stay focused and nobody could just take me away from this dream. I cried for 45 minutes after I won and the people could not interview me. They were just like, um, we'll, we'll come back around. Just let her, let, let her know we want to talk to her. <laughs> and then I just knew that I could win the Olympics, but at the same time I was scared because I, I, you know, you could always revert to who you were. And then COVID hit and I was like, oh, that? well, I don't know what's going to happen, but 
this just gives me time to not grind my teeth and have my fist like just hurting my hands. I get to relax, be with my husband. We just moved every year we moved and we had just moved into a, a new house. Yeah. Cause rent just always just keeps going higher. Yeah. And we're like, nah, this place does not deserve $700 plus. <laughs> no, 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 no. So we just moved into our house and it was like, oh man, we could really enjoy this. And so we just had time to be husband and wife together and be with our dogs and just spend so much more time with our family. And it was just honestly a time to just reconnect for us. And for me, it was incredible. Like COVID was a blessing. I just had time to breathe. I came off of a great win. And I could just relax. And it was awesome. And then when we knew, I knew we were going to wrestle. I knew that it wouldn't get canceled. Things like, like Olympics don't get canceled. They get postponed for the most part. <laughs> and I felt like that was going to be the case. And people were like, hey, do you think we're going to wrestle? I'm like, absolutely. When? I don't know. But I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to keep learning the piano and learning Spanish. <laughs> so, adios. Hasta luego. <laughs> and um, Yes, I I am actually on a 365-day streak on Duolingo right now. Impressive. Yeah, with COVID. (laughs) I've just been going ever since. But um, yeah, it it was honestly like a blessing in disguise. And once the Olympics rolled around, I came to destroy. Well, take take me through that. So you you make the Olympic team and there's a spot this time, right? (laughs) That's already been qualified. Yes, I qualified it when I was world champ in 2019. That's the way and you qualify an Olympic spot right there. <laughs> yes, getting first. And I knew because I qualified that spot, nobody was going to take that away from me. I was like, nah, I went through that work. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah, that's awesome. So you get you get to the Olympics then and you you have this dream. I am at the freaking Olympics finally, right? And you- As a competitor. As a competitor and you're there to win, but like- how are you feeling about that? Like, are you excited? Are you nervous? Like no family was allowed to go last year in Tokyo. I mean, that's just a weird, I just, having been to three Olympics with packed stadiums, I can't imagine going there without, maybe it didn't make a difference to you because it's your first Olympics, but you'd been to other big competitions where I'm sure there were tons of people in the stands. So how did you process all that? And what was your like mindset going into it? Here's a weird thing about me. And I already said that I was weird earlier. Um, with all my 6 a.m. rollerblading rides. But um, I was a training partner at the 2016 Olympics. And so I got to see firsthand just like the, the background atmosphere and knowledge, like what was going into it. And I was in the stands and in the stands at the 2016 games, there wasn't a lot of people there. Like I was screaming my butt off when Helen won the <laughs> The Swedish team was like, Tamara, can you like tone it down? And like, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) Just going ham. And um, I remembered that's how it was, you know, at at, at the 2016 Olympics. And so when we were at the 2020 Olympics, man, I can never say, I I never know which one to say, but when we were at these recent Olympics, I looked in the stands and I was like, ah, this is just like 2016. We're used to this. This is something that we are used to. World championships is more packed than the Olympics. That Interesting. I, yes. And I don't know if that's just for wrestling. I know people are probably going to be like, Jamea, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> 
try to, but I'm just telling like it is because I remember um, someone asked me this before. They were like, hey, how's it going to feel with COVID-19 regulations and no fans or family's going to be there? And I'm just like, my family is never there for tournaments to begin with because we're always they're always overseas. It is really expensive. So they can't afford to go. So it's going to be like every other tournament. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's a, that's a blessing in disguise, right? Because like for diving, it's always weird because we have like nobody at our national championships, but then we go to Olympic games and it's crazy. It's one of the top four sellout sports. So it's like this wildly oh. different event. Yeah. So for diving, it's like kind of the, the flip of that, you know, which it depends on the person can be good or bad. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. And I know for some people it was bad because some people can't afford for their families to be there. Yeah. And so that was a bummer. But for me, I was like, nah, this is just another life in the walks of wrestling. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good thing in a way. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But I will say this. I still was very, very nervous. And the way I coped was I brought my Xbox one and my karaoke machine there. My coach, um, whose name oh, I can never get right. I call him Izzy, but it's like, uh, Vlad is love is Bonikov. <laughs> we'll go with Izzy. <laughs> Izzy sounds good. <laughs> right? That's what I always tell him. He's like, no, you're going to say my name in a podcast. You need to get it right. I'm like, bah, bah, <laughs> but um, he had told me before we left, he was like, all right, Tamara, first thing you're going to pack. What is it? I'm like, uh, shoes. I was like, no, it's going to be your Xbox and karaoke machine. I'm like, what? Really? You're letting me bring it? He's like, yeah. I don't want you to feel any kind of way when you go to Olympics and you're away from Jacob for a month. I'm like, oh, you know me so well. (laughs) (laughs) I get anxiety when I'm away from Jacob too long. I'm like, I miss my husband. I just want to be with my husband and dogs. And so he made sure my nerves were calmed. So I brought my switch, my Xbox one karaoke machine, and I karaoke every single day. It was like religious. It was Bible study. Did you have other people come in with you or was it just solo time? Absolutely. I was in the hotel lobby. We were at the hotel, motel, holiday inn, and we were singing and we were chilling all the time and again. <laughs> It was awesome. We um we sang every day, multiple hours a day, especially since we couldn't go out and just explore. Like people were getting stir crazy just trying to figure out what to do. And I think that karaoke really helped them. Like there, there were several Olympians that were just having a great time. And then if we weren't karaoke, well, we were playing Xbox together or Mario Kart and trying to beat each other in that on the Switch. I love it. <laughs> So what do you do when you're not competing? You compete in something else. I like it. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, it, was, it was great. <laughs> there was also cornhole, but that was outside. And well, I didn't want to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> so what were the moments like? I mean, in that final match, I mean, you, you kind of dominated and you were smart and patient and didn't try to do anything crazy. You, you were just there for the win. Um, yeah. Walk us through, like, did you know the whole time how it was going in your head? Like, yeah. Walk us through all the feelings and emotions and all that stuff. So just like the past experiences that I had to go through, I learned to be patient, to be aware in the moment and to take the entire match and chop it up into seconds, like 10 seconds here, 20 seconds there, and then to just put it behind you. So whatever happened whether I scored or I didn't score, if I got a turn or I didn't get a turn, I just put it in the back of my mind. 
And I just kept on going and I had to lie to myself before actually stepping on to that platform. And I told myself, all right, this is the first match. Like nothing in my head went, this is the first match. You're not pretending that this is the Olympic finals. There, there was that latter part was not there. It was just, this is the first match. Let's go. You know what you want. Like literally fake it till you make it. (laughs) And, um, I just took everything that I had learned in like the past 12 years and just threw it all into that match. And the patience, I had my coaches in the corner just reminding me who I was. And yeah, I I need those reminders a lot. So just like that relationship and that trust was there. And when the match was over, (laughs) after I could have gotten so mad, she hit me a few times and I was like, why? You let her hit me and they gave me a point for it after like she did it the third time. I was like, thank you. <laughs> that was kind of hard. <laughs> the hits, the hits were hard, but she's a man, she's a great competitor. She was oh wrestling blessing is always not a blessing. It's always a curse. She is so tough. She's like a mirror image of me, but man, she's just strong. She's just straight from the motherland. I think like I'm from the motherland. I'm like, yeah, my dad's from Africa, <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which was a sweet thing you pointed out in your interview that she was from Nigeria and your dad's from Ghana. Right. And he yes. did not like Nigerians. So that was kind of his yes. icing on the cake moment. <laughs> it was, it definitely was. I know he's like, man, like again, probably the loudest one in heaven. Like he was the loudest one in the, all the auditoriums and gyms. But once I won, it didn't click because I had lied to myself <laughs> saying that it was the first match. Then I walked over to my coaches and they were like, Tamara, you're the Olympic champ. And once they said that, oh, I just started crying. Uh, I have goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I'm sweating in my armpits right now. I'm like, oh, I'm just that moment. Man, it was, it was incredible because you, you again, you're just going through all this stuff, just trying to compartmentalize and not go, well, this COVID thing is happening. So people can't be there to witness it. And we're stuck in the hotel. How is this making the best of a situation? We had an amazing room, a hotel. We didn't stay at the village. We had a hotel and I had bubble baths like oh, nice. every day. It was fantastic. They were like, hey, Tamara, you want to cut some weight and go to the sauna? I said, no, I don't want to go to the sauna. There's this bubble bath calling my name and I'm going to watch my show. and I'm going to lose weight like that. <laughs> no one ever told me that bubble baths with hot water as hot as you can stand it can help you lose two pounds. And it's just relaxing. Okay. Well, when we're done here, I'm going to go take a bubble bath. So thank you for that tip. <laughs> it's good yeah, to- with Epsom salt. With Epsom salt. Yep. Yep. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. And it just helps you relax. The inflammation just is just rejuvenating. And yeah, it's great. I learned so much about myself. <laughs> uh yeah, a little bit, I think. <laughs> but in that in that post interview, after you finally realized you won. I mean, and, and it went viral and you have it posted, you have it linked on your Instagram. Um, and I think that's where everybody really was just like, 
who is this girl? She's amazing. It had all the things. I mean, you were excited. You were bawling. It was for your dad. Then you were given this motivational talk to girls. Like it was just <laughs> stuff of legends. You know, it was for God and country. It was, it was everything that, you know, I've always looked up to and dreamed of. And, um, I just, did you realize what you were doing in that moment or how that was going to affect people or who was going to see that? Oh my gosh. Absolutely not. When I walked off that mat after crying, I was like, whew, and Taylor uh, Miller, who uh, works for USA Wrestling, well, now Greg Yo, she, uh, she was like, okay, there's a few people who want to talk to you. And I was like, okay, breathe, mirror, don't cry, compose yourself, don't cry. And the first camera that came up to me, I didn't know it was live. I didn't <laughs> know that. I like whispered something to them. I was like, but don't, don't tell anybody, but I'll say this, my dad, he would have been really proud of me because she's from Nigeria and he's from Ghana. And I just, I, I dominated her. It was great. And they were like, yeah, it's not live. <laughs> that, well, that's what was funny because I didn't know you didn't know that. And you're all like, yeah, don't tell anybody. And we're just like dying laughing. It was awesome. Yeah, I didn't. Now I know. Now I know. <laughs> that was a little embarrassing. And so with that being said, like knowing that that mindset was in my mind, I walk to the next camera, the next camera, and I'm just like spilling my heart. I'm just going, this is everything that I've worked towards. Like I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for my country. Like when you go to the Olympics, you're going to represent whatever country you are representing. And I'm proud to be an American. And I got up on that stage. I represented America and I was extremely happy. I had been doing this since 2008, wanting to go on that stage. Nobody was going to take that away from me. I wasn't going to be like, oh yeah, America, oh, whatever. Like, no, yes, go USA. Are you kidding me? Love God, love country. Like, this is incredible. And when they told me about representation, I was like, no, this is for all the little girls. Are you kidding me? No, I love everyone. I'm here to represent God. God doesn't say one singular race. He says everybody. And so I was just, I was just overjoyed and I was just being myself. And then someone was like, Tamira, you went viral. I'm like, what? When? Oh, that video that me and uh, Maya Nelson, my training partner that I brought to the Olympics, we did a video prior to the Olympic finals. I was like, Maya, I'm really nervous right now. And I was like on the bike trying to, you know, manage my weight. And I was like, can we dance? She said, absolutely. So we made a dance video and we were like, yeah. And it just flowed. We had one take and we're like, oh man, it's too dark. We can't see ourselves because we're dark. And so we did the other take. And it was perfect. I was like, thank you so much. That helped alleviate a lot of stress. I posted it and I thought that's what went viral. And they were like, no, your post interview match. I was like, wait, which one? (laughs) (laughs) So basically, truth be told, no, I I did not know that so many people loved what I said. All I know is that someone told me that there were certain negative things going on at the Olympics. And I was like, no, Helen, I'm not, I'm not about that negative. I'm not here to spread turmoil. I'm here to spread love. And that's where I was like, you know what? After every single match, win or lose, I'm going to put hearts up. And she was like, what? No way. I should do that too. I was like, yes, Helen, we should do it. We should both do it. And so that's why I kept doing the hearts because I, 
I was like, no, I'm here to spread love. Like this has been a lifelong dream. Like when I was two years old, my mom said that I was that hugging twin. People would go, hey, where's that twin that hugs all the time? (laughs) I'm just always here for love and just trying to spread love and just trying to bring joy to people. And that's not going to change regardless of what other people are thinking. Like everybody has different situations that they go through. And I've already gone through way too much turmoil in my life. I'm not trying to bring people down. I just want to uplift them because I know that people have hard times. They need to laugh more than they cry. Yes. And I think you just being you was perfect because that's what people needed. People needed that connection. They needed to see that and be inspired and lifted up by it. Like it was just you being you and being real was the best thing that could have happened. It was awesome. I love it. And we felt my whole family fell in love with you. All the kids were like, she's amazing. (laughs) It was cool. It was very cool. I love it. I love it. So I think, okay, you're at the Olympics. You've accomplished all your dreams. The pinnacle happens. You're going to take a break. You're going to maybe do all these cool things. No, no. You're going to go to a world championship two months later. Like what? Who are you? Like (laughs) you're just going to keep on going, huh? Honestly, I should not have gone because I had got COVID and I had been traveling because of all these interviews that people wanted me on and I hurt my back. Oh man. I wasn't able to walk. It was bad. I had less than a week of training under my belt in that time span between the Olympics and world championships. Didn't you still get third? I know. That's that's insane. (laughs) God is so good. I don't know how I did that. God is good. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know how, cause Laura, when I tell you I could barely breathe. I could barely walk. And I was literally lying to everybody going, no, I'm fine. I'm in the room crying. I don't know how I did it. Honestly, that was God's grace and strength just flowing through me. People are like, but you got third. I'm like, I don't know how. And you know, I wanted to quit. I was trying to quit that match. I had to get convinced to do that, man. Yeah, it, it was hard. I know but not a lot of people know that, but I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't go in there happy, man. Still, still learning, right? You're still learning. Yeah. <laughs> still learning. Still learning. <laughs> well, I know you said you're gonna you're gonna keep going through 2024, but you have been on this kind of promotional tour, world, all the things. Like, what is the coolest thing that you've gotten to do since the Olympics? The coolest thing that I've gotten to do. There have been so many incredible things that's been happening, but I have some things that are in the making right now. But you said that I've gotten to do so present. <laughs> yes. Honestly, drive that new car that Doggett Ford gave me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I got to meet Wiz Khalifa at the PSL event. So that was also super cool. There's this, there's like the no things. Yeah. Like I was on the Kelly Clarkson show. Like That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, that, that is awesome. And I, I'm excited to hear about your projects as they're coming out, but I know you did want to talk about one other thing that, and you've posted this on your Instagram too, that you, um, are really for athletes for medical freedom. And I want to, I want to hear more about that from you. Um, I think it's awesome. And yeah, tell us about that. Yes. Okay. So there's mandates going around and, uh, they're just trying to mandate the vaccine and, I'm fine with vaccinations, but when you force people to do things, 
that's where the line gets really skewed. And Athletes for Medical Freedom was basically built. Like at first, um, we just kind of band together and had said, hey, Kyle Dick has said, there's something in this contract that's a little off when it comes to the mandates. Don't sign the contract until we figure out what this word is. Because once you sign... What was the contract for? Um, the contract for USA Wrestling, you know, just making sure that we get paid. Yeah. And, um, well, let's just say none of us have been getting paid. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we have not signed that contract, but we're just going in and just trying to figure that out. And Cal Dake has just been a trailblazer. And same with David Taylor. They have just been on it, like in it to win it, just so supportive. And the goal of for athletes for medical freedom is basically just to just tell athletes, Hey, you're not alone. I know it may seem like there's other people that make you feel alone, but you're not. There are several people that are against this mandate. And if you look for us, we're here to support you guys. And we are trying to fight this for everyone. Uh, Dake's trying to fight it for Dake and Taylor are just trying to fight it for their young, you know, future wrestlers. I'm trying to fight it for myself and future wrestlers as well. And we're all just trying to make sure like we just don't get, you know, just stomped over. Like we don't want our, we don't want our rights to get stomped over. Like we want, we want to use this platform to show people that you do have a voice and you can stand up for what you believe in. And we feel pro-vaccine, anti-mandate. That's all there is to it. Because, yeah, we've all been vaccinated, but we don't really force people. So we're we're just out here just trying to, you know, make the world a better place one paper at a time. <laughs> well, I love it. How, how has it been affected with, like, USOPC? Because I know they didn't mandate the athletes get the vaccine last summer, but I heard they did for the winter athletes, and some people weren't able to get their exemptions. Have you heard anything about that? I don't know much about that when it comes to the Olympics because I, I tried to do some research and I don't really know much about it, but I will say um, I personally got a religious exemption for the training center. And at first I got denied because my verbal statement wasn't sufficient enough for them. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well then here's your written statement then. And that was a lot better. but. Um, yeah, I, I do know. I, I feel like I read something about the Winter Olympics and them allowing for for exemptions, but I'm, I'm not really sure. Like, there's just been so much going on in my world. I'm like trying to like like little bits of information, but my heart goes out to them for sure. Is there a place where we can follow the athletes for medical freedom? Yes. So, um, athletes for medical freedom can be found on. Instagram and on the Instagram site, there's actually a link that just leads you right to it. And, you know, if you don't have an Instagram, you can always just Google it. And it's just athletes for medical freedom. Awesome. We'll make sure to link to it in our, in our episode show notes and stuff too. So. Yes. And I did not realize how many people were for this stance. I, I made a post where I finally like, you know, came out and was like, Hey, I'm with Ashley for medical freedom. And man, there was just so much love. I, I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, we're with you. We also don't want to be mandated to do something that we don't want to do. Like this is our body. 
we should be able to be allowed to do what we want with it and not be forced to do something with it. And like, I totally understand. <laughs> and, and I think this is important to, for, for young athletes to see experienced athletes taking a stand for something. Cause a lot of times we're scared to speak up for a variety of things. Cause we're afraid it'll affect our spot on a team or how people perceive us. Yes. Or like we're in a judge sport, you know, there can be some things there or you have selections instead of, you know, earning a spot from like a score or a time or something like that. So, um, there's a lot of fear with athletes standing up for what they believe in or for their own rights for that matter. Um, and so I think it's really important that you guys are exemplifying that to the next generation. So I appreciate that. I can see that fear. And I think that was one of the reasons why I was kind of timid to first come out. Cause I was like, oh man, I might lose a fall. Fo- I might lose followers if I tell people my stance. Followers? Really? Why was I so hung up on followers? Like, oh my gosh. Like, that's just like the brainwash thing that's going on. Like, oh, you're not loved unless you have this many followers, this many likes. Who cares what other people think? If you have a stance, if you believe something, tell people respectively and kindly, like you can have conversations and just respectfully hear each other's opinions and not just bring each other down. And that's what I want to show people. Like I respect people's views. I'm going to hear you out. If I disagree, I'm not going to take it back to your head and go, I don't think you're right. It's going to go, you know what? I understand what you're saying. And, um, man, um, thank you for enlightening me on your, on your views. I don't think God wants, like my faith shows me that I need to love people. And we need, we need more loving conversations right now, I think at this day and time. So that's, that's good. Great examples. But where can we follow you, Tamara, on your journey to Paris 2024 and all these new exciting adventures and things that you have coming up? Well, so I have a Twitter and it's, Mensa Tam Stock. And I always like every other day, just put an inspirational quote down just so people can just be inspired and try to spread joy. So that's what my Instagram, you know, you can hear me talk, just quote people. And uh, on my Facebook and Instagram, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very active on Instagram. And my Instagram account is Mensa Tam Stock. And it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> it's easy, right? And uh, you can find me on there. Just trying to keep you guys updated on everything that I'm doing and just trying to spread love and joy. Of course. And you are, you very much are. And we will link to all of those uh, in the show notes, but thank you so much for coming on. You are such a joy and a delight. Like your smile. I wish people could see your smile. It's just, it's infectious. (laughs) but you are also so real and vulnerable and open to the hard things. And I think that's what connects us and really gives us the most beautiful example of how to like walk out our lives and live our lives. Well, yay. I'm glad that's why I kept on this journey, this hard, hard journey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in today and please be sure to subscribe, rate and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.